Welcome to So Dead, a podcast that'll leave you saying holy shit by the end. Or at least that's our intention. I'm Jen Carpenter. And I'm Danny Fairman. Happy True Crime Tuesday. And happy Taco Tuesday, deadheads. Now, one of our things that we're big sticklers on here at So Dead is jumping right into the story. So we are going to do that today, but we have some announcements at the end, so make sure you stay tuned. We're going to talk about our live show. We're going to talk about some other things we've got coming up, so make sure you stick around for that. Yeah, don't turn us off. Please. (laughs) Um, In this week's episode, we're covering a story so big, it takes both of us to tell it. Oh, man. It's local. It's kind of recent. Um... And to say it hits close to home would be an understatement. So let's let's jump in. Let's get to it. Let's do it. On the morning of April 10th, 2002, a dairy farmer and his family on the way to Bible school in Clinton County stumbled upon a scene straight out of a horror movie. As they drove past a dilapidated old farmhouse on a rural road in Ovid, a small town which is about 30 miles north of Lansing, They spotted a young, pregnant woman wandering aimlessly through the countryside, filthy, crying hysterically, and completely incoherent. Fearing she'd been attacked, the family raced her to Clinton County Memorial Hospital, where the police were immediately called. Authorities entered the young woman's hospital room, expecting to take a report about an assault. What she told them instead rocked them to their core and launched an investigation into one of the most tragically bizarre cases mid-Michigan has ever seen. I didn't know she was pregnant at the time. Yeah, she was. Patrick Holy was born on March 17, 1983 in Lansing, Michigan. He grew up on the city's south side where he lived with his mother, Kathleen Holy, and attended Everett High School as a teenager, which Danny and I both went to Everett. Mm-hmm. And Danny, I think you might have gone to high school with him. I think so. What year did he graduate? I'm. He didn't. Oh, but he was born in 1983, he so oh, yeah, he would have been three years younger. So he, he would have been, been a freshman when I was a senior. Right. So I don't remember him. But you went to but school together. But we shared the halls. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he sang in the high school choir. He was known as a kind, thoughtful young man who had a soft spot for special needs students. He had a tight-knit group of friends that was known for their love of heavy metal music and the color black, so the goth kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was at Everett High School that Patrick fell in love with the new girl, a student by the name of Jennifer Holes. So his name's Holy. Her name is Holes. It's like fate. they were meant to be. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't But either. I wonder, you know how in school they used to seat you by your last name alphabetically. I wonder if that's how they met. I bet it is. Probably so. Like, she sat in front of him and um, no, he pulled he her hair? No, he would have sat in front of her. Oh. H-O-L-E and then H-O-L-Z. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. He would have sat in front of her. And she pulled his hair. Yeah, he probably <laughs> had long hair. <laughs> anyway, go on. So the two began dating, and during summer break between their junior and senior years, they got married and had a baby. So that escalated Wait, they quickly. were in high school and they, they got married? They were in high married? school mm-hmm. between their junior and senior year. Um, June 2001, they got married, so right after their junior year. Um, and then their daughter, Liliandra, who they called Lily, was born that August before they went back to school. Hmm. And they did go back to school that fall. Um, but they dropped out soon after senior year began. Uh, they resided with Patrick's mother, Kathleen, and the family lived off of Kathleen's disability, which she received for chronic pain. So it was 
the three of them in the home, nobody's working, the baby in the house, nobody's going to school. Um, So kind of not necessarily the best situation. Right. Um, The Family Independence Agency kept tabs on the Holies because of their age. So when things started to go bad, they stepped in pretty quickly. On April 1st, 2002, Patrick and Jennifer were accused of raping a 14-year-old girl they met through their church. What? Yeah, both of them. On April 8th, so a week later, social workers seized custody of Lily, citing a failure to thrive. The eight-month-old was sickly, not gaining weight properly, and was determined to be in physical danger. Well, And also, yeah, her parents are under investigation for raping a young girl. It reminds me of that Canadian couple. The Homolkas. Yes. Yeah. Ugh. The next day, April 9th, Patrick and Jennifer, who were both 19 at this point, went to their first family court hearing. It was determined at the hearing that baby Lily would remain in custody of the state as the allegations of child neglect and rape of a minor were investigated. Patrick and Jennifer left the hearing heartbroken, unsure what the next step was. Lucky for Mm. them, Patrick's mother had attended the hearing with them, and she had an idea. Unlucky for them. Or lucky. I, I don't know how you want to look at it. I don't know how to feel right. about this because on the one hand, they're very young, but mm-hmm. on the other hand, they did something awful. Right. Um, and it's about to get worse. Ugh. So Kathleen Holy suggested that death might be the solution to all of the young couple's problems. The rape of a young girl, which Patrick and Jennifer were in fact guilty of, was going to ruin their lives and they were going to lose custody of Lily. But... If they died before they could be charged with the rape, Kathleen could at least keep Lily in the family. From there, things moved quickly. Uh, The trio returned home from the courthouse. So this is not like a, (laughs) this wasn't a plan that was thought out. This is the day after Lily was taken from the home. Right. Uh, And the day of the hearing where it was determined they weren't getting her back right away. I mean, it's pretty clear right from the start that they did not make good choices. Right. Period. Right. Um, So they returned from the courthouse. They gathered supplies, including pillows and blankets. They then drove to a pharmacy on the Michigan State University campus where Kathleen filled two prescriptions, one for fentanyl lozenges and one for fentanyl patches. So I didn't know that fentanyl came in lozenges. Yeah, I I don't know a lot about it. I wonder if Michael Jackson took those. I don't know. Maybe. Anyway. Um, Yeah, so it was enough for her 19-year-old son and his 19-year-old pregnant wife to overdose on. Fentanyl is a highly addictive synthetic opioid that is 80 to 100 times stronger than morphine. So serious shit. It was designed for cancer patients, like end-stage cancer. Right. Um, Kathleen also purchased anti-nausea medication so that Patrick and Jennifer wouldn't vomit during their overdose, thus ensuring that they would die. Next, Kathleen took them to McDonald's and treated them to their last meal. Can I say that that's what I bought Lola when we took her to put her when down? you took your puppy? Uh, us too. And same for you, yeah. Yeah, so... Apparently you do that for your kids too. Yeah, that's... That's I didn't think about that. That's crazy. So if you guys remember in a recentish episode, I shared with you that we um, put two of our dogs down and we took them to McDonald's for a last meal first. Mm-hmm. Um, a short time later, Danny had to do the same thing, unfortunately, and you went to McDonald's as well. We did. We so had that's um, the spot. sausage McMuffins. 
Like for a dog, I think that's a good laugh. She meal. loved it. But for but a human, if you, I know I'm gonna, de- you know, there's no prisoner on death row where their wishes for their last meal that they get a Big Mac. Maybe. Really. I mean, maybe somebody would like McDonald's for their last meal if that was kind of their no. favorite fast food and they hadn't had it in a long time. But these aren't people that have been incarcerated for years. They've right. been free to have all of the Big Macs right. they wanted. I think if I was going to have a last meal, it would be something amazing. Steak and lobster. Steak and lobster. But you know what? In uh, This is the only thing that I'm going to say in fairness to them. They probably could only afford you know like mcdonald's might have been a yeah. fancy meal for it also might have been comfort food it's comfort food right. for me sometimes oh i try not to you don't get it, a gut but... like mine without a big mac <laughs> <laughs> right it's oh definitely my, my comfort food so but so, anyway after mcdonald's kathleen picked up her sister-in-law mary joetta wenlin and mary's 13 year old daughter who would serve as accomplices in the holy suicide pact stop for one second mm-hmm. i'm going to do a little bit of shaming and i apologize if i offend anybody but i kind of don't give a fuck if my friend's son was being charged for rape of a 14 year old there is no fucking way that I would bring my 13-year-old child around them. Not only that, but specifically, they knew exactly what... I mean, the 13-year-old girl has no culpability, obviously, but her mother right. knew exactly what, That's what right. they were That's going what I'm to do. I would not bring my them child. themselves. Why are yeah. you bringing your child? What What can she add to the situation that she like, needs to be there to witness this fucked upness? Right, and... As the friend, you couldn't be that voice. Like, was there no voice of reason for anybody? No. It definitely sounded to me like mom was driving the bus and... Just this story infuriates me. It makes me so angry. And it's so scary because these are literally, I mean, people in our neighborhood. Yeah. You know, that's really frightening. Anyway, Um, I'm sorry. So they drove out to the country looking for a spot to carry out their insane plan. During the drive, they discussed what would happen to Lily and how important it was that Kathleen not be connected to the deaths so that she would have a good shot at custody. Jennifer said she wanted their bodies to be discovered. She didn't want to decompose out in the middle of nowhere. So Kathleen promised to have an anonymous tip called in two days after the suicide so that their bodies could be found. Mary gave Patrick and Jennifer the anti-nausea medication so they could keep the fentanyl down. And once the fine details were worked out, it was time. On a back road in Ovid, they spotted a creepy-ass abandoned old farmhouse that looked like something straight out of a horror movie. Have you seen it? I've seen it. Yeah, it's our. Co- it's going to be our cover art for the Ooh, episode. Okay, it's I've not terrifying. seen it. So it was fitting for sure. Um, Kathleen, Patrick, and Jennifer got out of the van. Mary and her daughter stayed in the van. They went for a drive so that neighbors wouldn't see the van sitting in front of the abandoned house and get suspicious. The Holies broke a basement window to the house and climbed through. They found a sheet of plywood in the basement, which they used to create a death table. They covered it with the pillows and blankets they had brought with them. Patrick and Jennifer took the fentanyl lozenges, which they washed down with soda. Then they covered their bodies with fentanyl patches and laid down together to die. Kathleen helped them every step of the way, but wore rubber gloves so that she couldn't be tied to the scene by her fingerprints. Oh, my God. As they fell asleep, she crawled out the basement window. 
Mary returned in the van to pick Kathleen up, and they drove back to Lansing together with Mary's 13-year-old daughter. What in the fuck? Right. But things did not go as planned inside the farmhouse of death. Patrick died there on the basement floor, but Jennifer did not. Which leads us back to that poor family on their way to Bible school and the frantic race to the hospital to save Jennifer. Right about the time the hospital called the police, a neighbor of the abandoned farmhouse called the police as well to report a suspicious van in the driveway. Kathleen had returned to get rid of the evidence. Can you even imagine her reaction when she went back into that basement and her son was there, but Jennifer was missing? <laughs> like, she must have freaked the fuck out. Right. Right. So when police arrived at the farmhouse, Patrick's body was still there in the basement, hmm. but the pill bottles and wrappers from the fentanyl patches were all gone. Following Patrick's death, both Jennifer and Kathleen Holy were arrested. Jennifer for the rape of the 14-year-old girl, Kathleen for two counts of criminal-assisted suicide. Prosecutors had hoped to charge Kathleen with murder, but the case just was not there. Um, she didn't put the lozenges into Patrick's right. mouth. She didn't apply the patches to his skin. She didn't do it. He did it. Uh, right. She just pulled the strings. So instead of being charged with murder, she became the first person charged with criminal assisted suicide in the United States since Jack Kevorkian and remains the only person ever convicted of an assisted suicide charge to this day. That's crazy. Jack Kevorkian, a.k.a. Dr. Death, mm -hmm. was a Michigan doctor that supported the rights of terminal patients to die by assisted suicide. Between his first assisted suicide in 1990 and his arrest in 1999, it is believed that he assisted in over 100 suicides. The criminal assisted suicide law was put into place to stop him, but he actually wound up being convicted of second-degree murder instead. So even Jack Kevorkian wasn't convicted under the Jack Kevorkian law. But... But Kathleen Holy was. But Jack Kevorkian, like, helped very ill people. Right, It yeah. wasn't just people who were in trouble with the law. Yeah, definitely very, very different. Yeah, and, it, you know, I mean, whether you agree with either way, how they approach it or not, his mission was 100% different people. than yeah. this Absolutely. lady. Oh, my God, this lady. Okay. So Kathleen Holy is facing up to 10 years in prison, um, and she takes a plea deal. She pleads guilty to attempted assisted suicide, and she's sentenced to 15 to 30 months in prison. Her sister-in-law, Mary, which is the one that gave Patrick and Jennifer the anti-nausea meds so that they wouldn't vomit the fentanyl, mm -hmm. um, was sentenced to six, month in jail, six months in jail for her part in Patrick's death. Hmm. Jennifer Holy was initially charged with first-degree criminal sexual conduct and faced up to life in prison. <laughs> to spare the 14-year-old victim the trauma of a lengthy trial, Jennifer was offered a deal and instead pleaded no contest to third-degree criminal sexual conduct and was sentenced to four to ten years in prison. She gave birth to her and Patrick's second daughter in prison in August of 2002. Because remember, she was pregnant, she was pregnant. when this happened. Mm -hmm. um, baby Pearl was immediately taken away and placed in foster care with her sister, who was now a year old. Oh, my God. Shockingly, Patrick's mother was not awarded custody of her granddaughters like she'd hoped. But really, <laughs> granddaughter, because she tried to kill the other, other one. one. What the fuck? I know. It's so messed up. Uh, what happened to Patrick and Jennifer Holy's daughters is a story all on its own. So this isn't over 
yet. Oh, my God. On April 8th, 2002, malnourished eight-month-old Liliandra Holy was taken from her parents by Child Protective Services. On April 9th, Patrick and Jennifer carried out their suicide pact, which was only 50% successful. Uh, on April 10th, baby Lily was placed with foster parents Chad and Tamara Smith, a DeWitt couple with two young boys. Lily was about the size of a three-month-old at the time, uh, a result of her parents feeding her less than half of the recommended amount of formula for her entire little life. Oh, my God. She couldn't sit up. She couldn't roll over. She couldn't crawl. She didn't have the energy or strength to do any of the things that a healthy eight-month-old mm-hmm. baby should be doing. Um, according to her foster mother, she said in one newspaper article, she was just there. Right. Five days after Lily was placed with the Smiths, a family member of Jennifer Holy's contacted Lutheran Social Services and expressed an interest in adopting Lily. Donna Cromwell was the first cousin of Jennifer Holy's mother. So, like a second cousin to Lily, or no, a second cousin to Jennifer, and that would make her Lily's third cousin, fourth? I don't know how, I that, don't know stuff how works. that works. A distant relative, though, not yep. a close one. Okay. Um, and the thing about this to me is, in all of the stories I've read, Jennifer's family is not present during right. the fact that she became a mother while she was in high school and the fact that she was well, accused she was of married rape. married in high school. Lots and of people got her moms. baby taken away. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where was the family during all of that? Right. And now, now you show into up. The picture. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and they, you know, Lily was what, eight months old and being severely neglected and they didn't step in during that time. But right. now all of a sudden. Maybe Jennifer was like a shit person. I mean, it sounds like she was. And they were like, nope, we're not having anything to do with mm-hmm. her. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's true. That's fair. An eight month old can still be. But even so. I mean, you're not a family to this girl. They probably didn't even know her children. Right. You don't right. get to it's step in now that yeah. there's a baby up for grabs. <clears throat> right. It's interesting. It's real weird to me. Um, so Donna Cromwell and her husband, Jonathan, filed for direct placement adoption, but were told by the agency that their relationship to Lily wasn't close enough for a foster care placement as relatives. Interesting. Because it wasn't. Um Meanwhile, Lily was thriving under the care of the Smiths. So when her little sister Pearl was born on August 10th, she was placed with the Smiths as well. Now, remember, Pearl was still in the womb when her mother overdosed on fentanyl and tried to commit suicide. So there were all sorts of concerns about her health as a newborn. Right. The fact that she made it is incredible. I know. I know. I mean, the fact that Jennifer made it and then the baby made it too. I know it. Um, So on August 14th, four days after... Uh, Pearl was born, Jennifer gave consent for her cousin Donna and her husband Jonathan Cromwell to adopt both girls. Uh, less than a month later, her parental rights were officially terminated. Why was anyone giving her a say in what happened to these babies? Clearly it, you don't make good I think, choices. I know. I think that's kind of how the system works. When my dad was an orphan, there, somebody wanted to adopt him also, and his parents wouldn't give the consent. So he wasn't allowed to be adopted. That's crazy. It's the most bullshit yeah, that part of the system. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. So at this point, the battle for Lily and Pearl is on. The Smiths were taking good care of them. They'd nursed Lily back to health. They'd had Pearl since she was born. Their little boys were bonded with the girls. They right. were a family. Right. They loved them. Um, and they were pushing for adoption. But the Cromwells also wanted to adopt the girls, and they had a familial connection, albeit a very shaky one. 
On September 16th, 2002, the Cromwells were allowed to visit with the girls for the first time. Lily was just over a year old. Pearl was a month old. And this whole time, the Smiths have had them. Mm -hmm. On December 5th, 2002, with the girls still in the care of the Smiths, Michigan Children's Institute Superintendent William Johnson made his recommendation for adoption. The girls should stay with the Smiths. On March 17, 2003, Clinton County Probate Judge Marvin Robertson approved the final adoption order for the Smiths. The girls' last names were changed from Holy to Smith, new birth certificates were issued, and the Smiths told their boys, these are your sisters now. So they had, I tried to piece it together from a picture I saw, they had Mm -hmm. two boys when the girls came into the family, Mm -hmm. and then she was either pregnant or got pregnant very quickly after because there's a picture of them where Pearl is maybe a few months old, and there's a newborn baby in the picture. Oh, so there's two boys that are older than the girls, oh, then a new baby boy. These that must be some incredible people. Right. I never would have signed up for them. And how do, you, how do you explain a situation like that to kids? Because they took them in as fosters. Right. So, you know, we're just helping take care of these little girls, and, you know, we they're not going to stay with us forever. Right. We're just helping them. But then when the adoption went through... These are your sisters. They're staying. This is our family now. Right. Um, So the Smiths are a family of seven now, having just welcomed a new baby boy into the home. Lily was a year and a half old. Pearl was seven months. But less than a month later, the unthinkable happened. Mm. On April 15th, 2003, Oakland County Judge Elizabeth Pizzetti ruled that the Clinton County adoption order was issued in error and therefore invalid. That the judge in Clinton County could not award adoption to the Smiths because the Cromwells still had an appeal pending. Did the Cromwells live in Oakland County then? The Cromwells were in Oakland County. The Smiths were in Clinton County. So there's two separate judges deciding where these girls are supposed to go on their own, basically. Um, Not only did Judge Pizzetti reverse the ruling of another judge, she issued her own ruling and she awarded custody to the Cromwells. Oh my gosh. Now, this wasn't a situation where the case was going through different levels of courts and a higher ranking judge made a different decision than the first judge. These are two judges on equal footing, just in different (laughs) counties. The Smiths lived in Clinton County, so a Clinton County judge was deciding what to do with the girls there. Mm -hmm. The Cromwells lived in Oakland County, so a judge there was deciding if they should have custody. That's crazy. Right? It seems ridiculous that two judges in different counties could be deciding on the same case, but that's exactly how this happened. So what happens when two judges in different counties have awarded custody of the same two children to two different families? Right. It can get messy. It should have gotten messy, but instead things went very quickly. Without even notifying the Smiths, the Clinton County judge, Judge Roberts, vacated his adoption order and conceded jurisdiction to the judge in Oakland County, meaning that the Cromwells were awarded custody of the girls. Really? On May 17th, 2003, so exactly two months after the Smiths were awarded custody, the Cromwells took custody of Lillian Pearl. By this point, the Smiths had been raising Lily for over a year and Pearl for literally her entire life. The Smiths were devastated. Um, Tamara said in an interview that her seven-year-old for months would sleep on the floor in the girls' bedrooms next Mm. to their empty cribs. I have goosebumps right now. This is really sad. I know it. Uh, The Smiths appealed the ruling, of course, and engaged in a lengthy court battle that lasted years and cost tens of thousands of dollars. Wow. 
In April 2005, the Smiths won a court ruling when a federal judge said that the court order removing the girls from them violated their constitutional rights. But in November of that same year, a Genesee County circuit judge decided it was in the best interest of the girls to keep them with the Cromwells. And in August 2006, when Lily and Pearl were five and four, the Smiths lost their final appeal and it was ruled that the girls would remain with the Cromwells, which... I mean, the argument at the beginning of this whole thing was, in 2002, this is their family. These are the only parents they know. You can't just take right. them away. Right. But then they did. And at this point, they're five and four. Mm-hmm. So now the Cramwells are the only parents they've ever known. And somewhere, someone's senses kicked in and said, yeah, we can't take them away from the only right. parents that they know. Right. So Lily and Pearl were raised by the Cramwells in Farmington Hills. And I just hope so much that they've had a good life right they're like 17 18 now i think that's crazy to think about that i know uh and hopefully the smith family was allowed to keep in contact with them especially for the boys sake um kathleen holy arguably one of the worst mothers on the planet served her little jail sentence for her role in the death of her own son (laughs) and was released Uh, i believe she still resides in the area i think so And Jennifer Holy served her prison term for the rape of a teenage girl and is now a registered sex offender. The last information I saw, I think she was living up north somewhere. Mm. Uh, And that is the insane story of the Holy family from Lansing. a very fucked up story. Holy shit. Holy shit. So... Should we do our file dump? That's we should really do our heavy. File dump. Let's but bring let's, the mood back up a little right. bit. So our file dump this week is how we met our husbands. <laughs> Dave just looked at me like, "What? You want to go first? Sure. So I met Dave at work. We had an office affair. <gasps> scandal. Bum bum bum. There was no scandal there. We tried to keep it a secret just to like simmer down the office gossip, but. Um, somebody saw us on like our first date from the office. <laughs> that didn't work at all. Huh? And that person's a gossip, so you know that and plan also, fell to I shit real the fast. Stuff that you're trying to keep a secret is the stuff that makes the good gossip because people feel like they know something, right? And or, really, there was nothing scandalous nothing about us scandalous dating. About we it. just were trying to not be a distraction. And so, you've been together how many years? Oh, Dave, when did we meet? Two thousand six. Mm-hmm. Two thousand six. I don't do math. That's 13 years? Yeah. We've been married 10 this year. Oh. I know. Isn't that sweet? When so the, sweet. I remember my first day at the job. He had already worked there, and I came in. And my boss was taking me around introducing us to everybody, and I was introduced to Dave. And I remember thinking, I'm going to date that dude. Oh, my God. At some point, so I'll cute. date him. And now, look. And I think, what was it, like five months later, we started dating? Good for you. Yeah. You knew so what anyway, you wanted. Yeah. That's adorable. Go get it, right? Go get it. Absolutely. Right. So I actually met my husband when I was a freshman in high school. That's crazy. We went but to you Sexton didn't date, together. Right? No, we did. You did date. Yep. So I was at my first high school football game, uh, and he was on the football team. He was on the JV team. He was a year ahead uh, of me. Oh, he and was a jock. there was a whole thing on the field and they called an ambulance and for him for yeah they're reeling a player away and we were just kind of standing right down by the main entrance so the first time I saw him was on a stretcher (laughs) he'd broken his collarbone and dislocated (gasps) his shoulder 
Oh. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm in high school now. This is like serious business, right? <laughs> and then I saw him at school the next Monday and, mm-hmm. you know, his little sling and whatever. I was like, that's the guy. Um, yeah, and we dated for maybe two weeks, you know, one oh. of those silly little mm-hmm. high school relationships so that funny. didn't go anywhere. Right. Um, but to the point where, you know, many, many years later, 2000. 10-ish maybe. I'm not mm-hmm. real sure when. Um, many years later, mm-hmm. uh, someone posted on Facebook some old pictures and he was in one of them and she's like, does anybody keep in contact with Dax? And I was like, oh, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. That's so funny. Mm-hmm. So I found him on Facebook and I friend requested him just because I was all about like, you know, right. reconnecting with people from high school, whatever. Sure. Facebook was still newish. Right. At the time, it wasn't the God, it mess was, that it? it is now. It was genuinely right. interesting because you were, people were reconnecting, and um, we were friends for a while, um, and then things just progressed from That's there. That's so cool. So, yeah, I met him in high school, so in nineteen ninety five. Was our freshman year? Yeah, four and five. And then we, four and five. Yeah, and then we entered into a real relationship. That's so cool. Decades later. And now we have been married for eight years. So That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Silly I've heard story. so many stories of people reconnecting later. Isn't that funny? I love it. Uh, my best friend did. Same thing. Um, guy that she dated that I actually introduced her to that I went mm-hmm. to school with and she didn't. And I introduced them in high school and then many, many years later got back together and they're married now. That's and awesome. have a little boy. Even my ex-husband married someone the second time around from that he went to high school with and That's knew cool. from when he was younger. That's so weird. So do you think that like You're social just... media has given us those connections to like reconnect with people from our past and you kind of make those connections when you're young for a reason? Maybe. And now we have a way to kind of bring them back around or do you think we're just lazy like we stick to what we know both Both. I think (laughs) you know you see people from your past and it feels like home yeah maybe yeah and so that comfort is there yeah you know so with Dax when we reconnected he was in the army and he was in Texas so it took away that scariness of online dating because I did actually know him in real right. life at one point. Right. That to where comfort. he wasn't just a stranger on the internet. Because we all know how that ends. Right. On You're going to die. Murder <laughs> shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's that. Yeah. All right, guys. It is our time of the month again. I hate that. <laughs> I love and I think it. you do it on purpose. I do do it on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is time for us to thank all of the fans that have left us reviews on Facebook and Apple Podcasts over the past month. Uh, so I am going to name our Facebook fans. We've got Penny Four, Trinity Blair, Allie Dubler. I don't know if this is Keely or Kelly. It could be either one. Kelly or Keely or both. Keely Kelly, Don Pace, Erin um, Renee Dietz, Belinda Zyber. Sarah Ray, Sarah Jane Hammond, Brittany Howard, and Rachel Harris. Thank you guys so much. And Apple Podcasts, Casserole 5. I freaking love that handle. Um, Melissa H. Is it Melissa H or is it Melissa? It's like Melissa with two H's. Maybe it's like, ah, 
Melissa HH live here. <laughs> anyway, I live here. I love it. Um, Val Cal Gale and Bedford 79. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys. It means so much to us when you take the time to leave us a review on either Apple Podcasts or Facebook, which I think are pretty much the only option. They're so fun to read. They, they like are. I legit will sit there and read every single one of them. Yes. Sometimes twice when I feel like shit about myself. There you go. Um, so, and then July 27th is our live show. Our first live show is coming up. We're I'm so, so excited. excited. So excited. It sold out. It so, sold out sorry. in like three to four hours, which mm-hmm. we genuinely, when we went to see the space, we were like, are enough people going to come to fill yeah. these seats? Cause I don't. Like I thought it would be just a couple family members just kind of rolling I their eyes. Nobody I was even coming. I know some people coming, but. I think they're people that really listen. Yes. Real so, fans, which yeah. is so strange. And it's and amazing and we love it. But we are still adjusting. This is all a learning mm-hmm. curve for us. Right. Um, I mean, I do the tours and those sell out for Demented Mitten Tours, but that's different because we're yep. going places and we're seeing things. But this is literally just people coming to watch us talk and eat tacos. Right. And the fact that that many people wanted to come hang out with us is so cool. I know. I'm excited. But we do feel bad. I know they sold out so quickly. And some people I did not anticipate I didn't anticipate selling five tickets. Right. And let let alone alone having people asking, wait a minute, I missed my shot. And we didn't give a lot of notice. We didn't give any notice. We said basically these are going on sale. I think we gave a day or two. Two days. Yeah, but I I need more time to I need more time to budget for things. I I was gonna say other people do too. Yeah, we did not let people save for that. So we'll do it better next time. Um, we've got yeah. another live show coming up in September, which I'll talk about that one in a minute. Mm-hmm. But I think our next big one that we'll plan will maybe be like our one year anniversary. That'd be fun. That'll be a lot of fun. But we'll give you guys more time. Mm-hmm. We'll make sure there's more space. Um, I just burped in the microphone. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Gross. Dave's shaking his head at me. He's so pissed. He's like, there's so much editing. So much editing. <laughs> Sorry, Dave. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and you guys will, those of you coming to the live show, will see just how hard Dave works. Right. He'll be running around. <laughs> well, no, I mean, because it won't be edited. So oh. they'll and see he'll probably just be running how bad around. we are in real life. I know. We're going to have to put some disclaimers out there <laughs> for the fact that we can't remove I can't things. read or talk. Yeah. Oh, man. This, I, I'm all of a sudden nervous about what a nightmare it might be. It's going to be amazing. It's not going to be a nightmare. It's going to be amazing. We have great people that support us. So yes, I think so they'll forgive us if we turn to shit in the middle of the show. We won't turn to shit. <laughs> I won't let us turn Good. to shit. Good. I, I'm going to um, hold you to that. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot of fun. We're really looking forward to it. But we definitely recognize that we didn't anticipate things properly and we'll do better next time right. so that everybody can come everybody. and there's enough space for everybody and enough yes. tacos for everybody. Um, and that brings us to our next live event. Tell me, tell me, tell us all, tell us all about it. So I've got all of these irons in the fire, right? I've got the mm-hmm. tours, I've got the book stuff, which I've got some book presentations scheduled for this fall that I'm real nervous about at like libraries, frightening really? stuff. Yeah. That'll be fun. Um, the book stuff, the podcast stuff. And so kind of as an umbrella to keep it all in one place, all the events and different things, mm-hmm. um, I have a company called Scream Queen Productions, and we are putting on our first festival this year. 
Um, it's September 7th in Lansing at the Turner Dodge House. It's going to be called a Festival of Oddities. I'm excited. And we're so excited. We're going to do a live show. Yep. And um, we are working on... So basically the way it works is going to be uh, general admission. So all of the yep. activities on the lawn, the food trucks, the vendors, the special attractions, all of the stuff on the lawn is going to be free to the general public. Mm-hmm. Then there's going to be kind of some VIP stuff going on inside the Turner Dodge House, which is a historical home in Lansing. Um, it's an event center and it's haunted. Very I'm so haunted. Excited. So we're going to have stuff outside, um, you know, the food trucks, the vendors, mm-hmm. the creepy attractions, and then we're going to have some stuff going on inside the mansion, which is haunted. Uh, the Ooh. Turner Dodge Mansion in Lansing. <laughs> it is um, a historical event center, and we use it on our tours. We go there on mm-hmm. our tours. We take people. So we've got a lot of stuff going on inside. Mm-hmm. We have got... Um, Thrift Witch, which is an awesome, awesome, awesome thrift shop uh, that sells creepy, weird goods it. in Rio Town. They're going to have a pop-up shop inside the mansion. Uh, we're going to have a writer's room with some local true crime, paranormal, and weird history authors. We've got four lined up so far. We're going to have the Scream Queen Boutique, which is going to be all the Demented Mitten stuff, all the So Dead stuff, all mm-hmm. the Haunted Lansing stuff will be... We'll be there sometimes. We'll be running around like chickens yep. with our heads cut off most of the day. Yeah. Um, we'll be sweaty messes. But. Sweaty messes. There is no AC in the house. <laughs> um, and then up on the third floor, we're going to be having presentations and special guests mm-hmm. all day and performances. And we're working on some really cool stuff there. One of those performances will be us doing a live show. Um, boop, boop. So admission to the house is $5 at the door. There's no pre-sale for tickets for that, but we are trying to work out with the city where we can kind of set an allotment aside um, of -hmm. seats for our show that we can pre-sell so that you guys can ensure that you'll have seats for that. Right. So watch for more news on that. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. Um, We also have our... Merchandise Which on we our did, website. We've never talked about that, I don't think, on the show before, have uh, we? Maybe just on social media. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think we've talked about it um, on the show. But people are starting to catch it. So we so thought we're sending we should tell some you. stuff out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you go to sodeadpodcast.com forward slash merch or just click on the merch tab, mm-hmm. you'll see all our swag and stuff and we're still designing so you know there's we're working on some things when people tell us they want something we add so we don't have a a set single one distributor so there's a couple Mm -hmm. different ways we do it um and it'll say next to every item whether it's an etsy item or a teespring item if it's an etsy item uh it's on sale through etsy and we physically send those out but be patient yeah because that's me but it's got danny's blood sweat and tears on it Mm -hmm, it hopefully no blood that's gross no just no tears no tears either just your sweat tears of joy (laughs) just your sweat if there's tears on there it's from the post man (laughs) um and then the Teespring, so the clothing and the mugs and mm-hmm. the things like that, we don't see any of that. That no. goes straight from the factory to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do have stuff out I there. I love it when people send us pictures of it. Though. I know. It's so it's exciting. Stuff that, like I haven't ordered. Yeah. I don't have any of that stuff. So when they send us pictures, I'm like, that does look cute. It is adorable. Yeah, so. there's socks. There's all kinds of stuff. I do have a pair of socks. 
Yes. But my legs are super wide, so our girls are like <laughs> stretched really wide. Oh and it God. just looks a little silly on my legs. That's hilarious. All right. And also our Patreon page is up and running full speed at this point. Um, we have started doing the early release episodes. Mm-hmm. So uh, for all of our $5 and up patrons, they get our True Crime Tuesday episodes on So Dead Sundays. So a couple days before everybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, we're doing bonus content on at least a monthly basis. So mm-hmm. for June, it was an actual bonus episode, which... We decided to be nice and release that one to everyone. Um, it came out to patron yep. subscribers a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. and it came out to everyone else just within the past few days. Uh, but in the future, bonus episodes will only be on Patreon. Right. Um, and it's not always an episode every month. We'll do, we're doing different things. We're going to do yep. some videos. We're going to do some special features. Um, but at least one really cool piece of bonus content per month. So um, we're real close to our next goal. I don't know what she's doing right now. Taking a picture. You reminded me. She's taking me a picture of me with no makeup on. Add to the bonus. I'm looking stuff. at that before. That is. You look cute. No. We'll snappy. We'll do Snapchat. Yeah, let's add those filters, please. All right. Okay. <laughs> we'll do it later. <laughs> um, so we're very close to out. our. <laughs> Leave it in, Dave. Leave it all in. <laughs> they got to get used to it if they're coming to see us in person. <laughs> no. He can't Ugh. edit any of that out. We do need to come up with signals for Dave, though, for the live show. Mm-hmm. So, like, baseball signals, you know, so he can tell us when we need to knock it off. Pat, 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 nose touch, head pat. Or he could just do, like, the Wiggle finger my across. <laughs> he could just do, like, the finger across the throat. Dead. I kill you. <laughs> you guys are killing yourselves <laughs> and your fan base right now. <laughs> Shut up. Uh-huh. Um, so... We're very close to our next Patreon goal. Mm -hmm. Um, Once we hit that one, we're going to take a poll for Patreon subscribers. You guys get to help us pick where we're going to go, and then we're going to go somewhere. I'm excited. One of the the little bit of a faraway places we wanted to go to do a Mm -hmm. feature on. So not too far, because we don't have a lot of time. But well, and... It'll be all fan-driven. So once we hit that goal, we'll start working on that. I'm excited. That'll be fun. Do you think that's it? I think that's all right. it for now. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Patreon at so Dead Podcast. You can also find us online at SoDeadPodcast.com and email us your feedback and story ideas to SoDeadPodcast at gmail.com. So now get out there and shine. You magnificent what the fucks. <laughs>